Hello and welcome to Stick Together. Stick Together is Australia's only national radio show dedicated to workplace and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and it's broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Today we're going to the south coast of New South Wales. We're going to hear about a series of local actions by TAFE teachers and nurses. They've been picketing the local electorate offices of their MPs, including such luminaries as the New South Wales Treasurer, Andrew Constance, MP, in Bega. It is part of a campaign to raise questions about the direction that politicians are taking the state that have little or no support amongst the majority of electors. We spoke to Arthur Rorris, the Secretary of the South Coast Labor Council, about the wider implications of the local picket. We've been having a series of uh, meetings outside the local members' offices. The principle is very simple, really. It's, uh, uh, it's a case of um, local constituents wanting to hold their local members accountable. Now, the uh, government MPs came into power with the promise that they were going to fix New South Wales. We, uh, we don't argue that there's a lot of things that need fixing in the state, and particularly in terms of the health system, the education system, and the uh, public services generally. What we didn't expect, and what the local constituents didn't expect, was that the government would proceed to not fix the state, but actually make it worse. Proceed to uh, uh, focus more on pleasing financial money markets and cutting budgets, on downsizing public services in many areas and on privatising key assets. That is not what they were elected to do. And uh, the local constituents, including local nurses, local TAFE teachers, power industry workers and other members of the community came along to say that the local member has some explaining to do and that there was some unfinished business there. That's the idea. It, it is unfortunate, of course, that the local uh, member's office decided to uh, shut the office and uh, call the police and do various things, but uh, uh, I don't think they were a threatening mob, but I think that they were a very persistent community uh, uh, group outside of uh, his office. Is this part of the South Coast Labor Council strategy to bring it to the door of the parliamentarians, the uh, representatives? Well, it's very easy for MPs once they're in the lofty heights of Macquarie Street in Sydney in Parliament House to see life as one uh, endless series of meetings with uh, big business lobbyists, with uh, multinational corporations who want to get their hands on our power industry, our health and education systems and other things, who see life as merely one transaction after another with the objective of making the big and powerful corporations more big and more powerful and the rest of the community to pay for the privilege. It's very easy for politicians to lose touch. What we're trying to do is to bring it back home and to remind these members of parliament that they are elected to represent their communities, not those big uh, corporations whose key interest is merely to uh, uh, increase their profits. So um, I guess the privatisation questions in particular, where they're trying to sell the poles and the wires of the, the electricity system, where they're looking at private hospitals now, and as we know uh, with the TAFE system, uh, they're trying to uh, uh, put that out to uh, private bidders as well. 
pulling everyone together, I guess, makes the community realise that this is not a single issue campaign, that um, this is not an accident, and uh, this is not something that uh, happens naturally. This is a calculated, well-thought-out approach by big business and their acolytes and supporters in government and in in many political parties, not just the Liberal Party, I might add. This is all part of a grand plan to uh, get the big business, uh, get their claws into every aspect of our society and our economy. They see it all as their right to make a profit and they see it as illegitimate for the public sector to even exist, frankly. So doing this locally allows people to see that all of these things are connected, that the privatisation in health, privatisation in education, privatisation of poles and wires, privatising our ports for that matter, all of these things relate to a big push and a big agenda by what we, I guess, call neoliberal institutions and neoliberal uh, politicians to privatise everything. And we want to get the message out that these politicians are not elected to do the bidding of the corporations. They're supposed to be there to look after the communities that elect them. And the best way to do that, we think, is to get constituents outside of the offices of these MPs to remind them of that and the broader community through the media. Did you uh, get any public response in the street? Well, yes, we've had a number of people who were rushing up, grabbing placards. Uh, in fact, we had a couple of elderly couples in uh, in Bega who demanded to be photographed with the no cuts to TAFE in front of the in front of the uh, treasurer's office. I think people feel very passionately about it. And in fact, another local initiative from Illawarra Anti-Privatisation Group, a community group, which started off against the privatisation of ports, but then decided to put out a community questionnaire uh, throughout the Illawarra and South Coast regions, found that uh, people are uh, overwhelmingly against the privatisation of almost every public asset. 80 and 90 percent, particularly in terms of the health and education and those sorts of things. So privatisation is not popular. We know this. We wonder how it is that the government is so adamant to push this through that they're prepared to lose some political bark, as they say, at the next election by staking their, uh, uh, their whole re-election strategy on privatising poles and wires. They call it asset recycling. Uh, we call it cannibalism. We think it's a bit, it's a bit like you know uh, choosing between your right arm and your left leg, and that's why we don't want to play that game. But that's what it, what it's all about, and um, the community are aware of what's going on. The problem is, is that politicians, uh, as I said, are prepared to uh, puff this one through. They've obviously got their writing instructions and it ain't from their communities. Now, do you think that by taking this kind of approach that uh, unions and community groups working together, it's a bit like uh, uh, tearing the scab off a saw, that you're actually giving people an opportunity to articulate their concerns leading into perhaps the next election? Oh, of course. What is missing is any level of debate. This is the big problem where economic management has become the uh, uh, the objective, self-appointed and self-imposed uh, objective, mind you, of governments, where the economy is defined as the private economy. I mean, these are quite remarkable things that somehow our governments, the people who we elect to govern us, 
have decided that they are answerable to big corporations to a greater level than they are their own constituents. And any attempt to actually uh, have a discussion in that space, as they say, to uh, encourage people to think more broadly about how it is that they have changed the nature of public policy and discourse in this country in a matter of 10 years or so is, is truly frightening. And I think any measure to get people to think about this and to discuss this openly has got to be a win. It's a positive. It's actually uh, governments that uh, you'll find trying to shut down debate. They don't want you talking about these things. They don't want people thinking about these things. Because, as we say, any rationally-minded person looking at this would come to the very similar conclusion that this is big business talking and these are policies for big business and by big business. They're the ones pulling the strings. They're the ones driving these policies. It's about excluding the community. Now, we, th we think that uh, the union movement is not doing its job unless it actually engages in that public space. To do otherwise would be to confine ourselves to, to a club. Well, we're not a club. The union movement should be about representing the whole working class, not just the ones that are, that are members of a particular group or organisation. That's why the union movement, uh, we say, has got a special role, a leadership role, and it should be encouraging debate, not just within its own members, but within the broader community about the things that affect everybody. To do otherwise would be to be playing into the government's hands, frankly, and we don't want to do that. Have you heard about 3CR's national programs? Coming at you on community radio stations around Australia, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne. Services will be cut, jobs may well be lost, and workers' entitlements will be undermined. Their basic human rights are as important as everyone else. Over 200 million years, individual species have evolved. I mean, birds were once dinosaurs. Anything nasty online seems to be targeted against women. Muckety is a bad deal, but muckety is absolutely not a done deal. You're listening to Women on the Line. Welcome again to Lost in Science. And welcome to another edition of the Radioactive Show. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Accent of Women. Anarchist Wall this week. Listen to Beyond Zero, global warming science, solutions and action. You are listening to Let the Bands Play. Tune in to Stick Together, Worker Stories and Union News. Grassroots Voices broadcast weekly on the Community Radio Network. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. You're listening to Stick Together, the only national radio program devoted to industrial news and social justice issues. We are talking to Arthur Rorris, the Secretary of the South Coast Labor Council in New South Wales, he has been outlining the purpose of a local campaign to picket local electorate officers about grievances around privatisation in the state. Part of our discussion moved on to the pre-trade deal with China recently assigned by Australian Prime Minister Mr Abbott. Many listeners will be aware that Bega is one of the centres of dairy production in Australia. This is one of the products which, according to the government, will be a winner out of the latest free trade deal. The problem with this deal, according to Arthur Rorris, is that once again the Australian government proves itself to be representing big business at the expense of Australian workers. That the deal actually undermines the very democratic system that represents electors 
and gives parliamentarians the right to say that they represent the people of Australia. Arthur throws light on some of the pitfalls for Australian workers in this and other free trade deals. If we look at, say, the uh, free trade deal with China, which definitely excludes the uh, general public uh, because it just went ahead without any discussion, generally speaking. If you look at uh, your area, Bega being a central part of it, uh, there is a lot of uh, dairy, etc., going on in that area, and it's supposed to be one of the areas that's particularly advantageous for Australia in this free trade deal. Have you got things to say about this free trade deal? Well, we've got a number of things to say about it, and unfortunately the government won't allow us the ability to actually see the deal itself until it's actually sort of signed, sealed and delivered, because it was negotiated in secret. It was negotiated in secret. Um, it, even now we can't even see the text. The government has drip-fed excuse me, the, um, the aspects of the deal that it wants to reveal. But so far, this is what we know, that here we have, like other free trade agreements, it's true, a agreements between governments that are all about strengthening and increasing the rights of multinational corporations. These agreements essentially are designed to enshrine and increase the reach of corporations and their relationship to national governments. So in other words, a free trade agreement which allows a unelected and unaccountable body to act as an arbiter in disputes about trade between two countries, by definition, strips the sovereignty of both countries. It gets around the uh, political systems, the parliamentary systems, the democratic systems, whereby the people have a say and are able to uh, have some determination over economic policy. What these free trade agreements, by definition, are designed to do is to take away that power and that role of democratically elected governments and to hand that power to private corporations. That's the first thing to say about free trade agreements. So they're not free? Well, they're about increasing the freedom of the corporation and to make the people subordinate to the power and the role of the corporation. That's what they're designed to do, and they do that quite effectively. They do it not only in terms of dispute resolution, they do it in another way, and this is the bit that I guess people are waking up to now, and that is the labour mobility aspects. By that we mean that not only will foreign interests be able to buy large swathes of Australian industry, resources and infrastructure, but also be able to bring in their own workforce or to apply at least to bring in their own workforce to undertake those projects where they are of a value greater than $150 million. So not only do the contracts potentially go overseas, the profits go overseas, but also the only dividend that we would otherwise have got out of this arrangement, which would have been jobs for local people because of that foreign investment, well, it seems that the jobs can go overseas too. What that means is, is that the big winner is the corporation. 
And what they can do by a back door is to actually do what the uh, extreme wing of the neoliberals have been wanting to do for some time, and that is to have one big international labour market with a race to the bottom of the lowest pit in the world in terms of wages and conditions. That's what they've always wanted, and this is a backdoor way to do it. You see, we're not even sure that it wasn't the Australian government that insisted on these provisions, because at the end of the day, um, people who say these are two-way deals have got to get real. We, we're not in a position to ship Australian labour to China at Chinese labour rates and standards. That one can only go the other way. And the, the steel worker in Wollongong is not going to be in a position to establish a steel works in China. A bank clerk is not going to establish a bank in Shanghai. A nurse is not going to establish a general hospital in one of their provinces in China. I mean, this is fantasy land. What's going to happen here are the big banks and corporations who will increase their access to markets. And as is the way with multinational corporations, very little benefit actually comes back to the host country. But let me say one more thing about the resource sector and about agribusiness. If we look at what's happened in terms of the ownership of agricultural businesses, farming and others in Australia, we'll see a huge drift towards foreign investment and ownership. The dairy industry in particular has gone offshore. So if you think about it, free trade agreements with other countries who have a big interest and ownership of our own industries may simply mean that, that countries and companies at, the state, at their country of origin who already own some industries are able to sell their products back to themselves. That's what's happening here. And to top it off, the icing on the cake, as I've said before, is when you can bring your own workforce for the privilege. It's like having a bring-your-own restaurant where you're not just bringing your own alcohol, but you're also bringing your own food as well. You've got to ask what's actually in it here for the Australian worker. Oh, we know what's in it for the multinational corporation, but what's actually in it for the worker themselves? It's these bits that the government has been very silent on. And what we need to do, I think, in this country is have a proper debate and a proper discussion about in whose interests the government is actually acting. And when they talk about economic management, whether they're talking about the multinational economy by, of and from the interests of the big uh, corporations or whether they're actually talking about an economy as something designed to work for the people that work within it. And there, there is a big difference there. And I think that that's they're the big questions we need to raise. about the FTA that people might find uh, amusing is that the government's sort of saying that, well, there are protections there because, uh, you know, uh, whoever comes into this country will have to work with Australian pay and conditions. Well, if a company is to establish an infrastructure or to work on an infrastructure project in, say, Western Australia or Victoria or wherever and bring out their own workforce to undertake that, how exactly will we know what they're being paid, firstly? Secondly, Australian wages and conditions are dependent on the ability of Australian workers to utilise the bargaining provisions 
inadequate as they may be at times, but still to use the bargaining provisions to actually secure a paid deal, uh, conditions and other things. Otherwise, what you're left with are statutory minimums. And that is only if they're actually employed, because another clause, as we understand it, are contractor clauses. In other words, if a firm was to bring out 500 contractors, they wouldn't even be subject to uh, pay in conditions. They would be deemed as uh, uh, corporate suppliers, as business suppliers, the equivalent of what we have here, say, with an ABN number. And they completely short-circuit any of those obligations from an industrial perspective. So there are big, big concerns here, and we're already finding, as people are realising what is happening here, we predict there'll be a big revolt against this. We simply want to say this, though, that let's not mistaken this as a case of a dispute or as a contest between Australian and Chinese workers. This is a contest between workers and multinational corporations. That is the fight not between one worker against another. If it is reduced to that, then workers in both Australia and China will lose. There's no doubt about it. People need to see these agreements for what they are. And they are about strengthening multinational corporations and having the people of uh, countries all over the world pay for the privilege and lose their sovereignty. Well, it's not, it's not a pretty picture, but it is, it is what is happening out there. And it is portrayed as if it's something, you know, it's something where one country wins and another country loses. And what they've conveniently left out of the whole equation is the big picture. It's not about a country winning or losing here. The whole point of free trade agreements is to ensure that whoever loses does so on the basis that multinational corporations win. That's the game. It's about corporations versus the rest, not about countries versus countries. They leave that stuff for, for, uh, for politicians to uh, base their propaganda, to divide communities and paint a uh, false picture for their own domestic political consumption and uses. They leave that and they use that in order for governments to sell these things to their local constituents. What they want to conceal just as much as they want to conceal the real text of these agreements until it's too late, is the fact that it isn't governments that are the players. The governments are the observers. They're sidelined. They're on the, uh, you know, they're on the bench. The Australian government is merely doing the bidding of big corporations. They're the real players here, and their role is the one that's been concealed. You are listening to Stick Together. Before we leave you today, a word from the First Nations discussions held in Brisbane, recorded by 3CR broadcasters covering events in Musgrove Park during the G20 in Brisbane recently. The speaker here is talking about the failed attempt to force a nuclear waste dump on Muckety. The speaker exposes another example of what some might say is an unholy alliance 
between governments and corporate interests. Now that Makati has been beaten, they're going to throw the nominations for the nuclear waste uh, open nationally. So people should be watching out because over the next year they're going to be looking for nominations. And I think one of the really important things that we've got to do when we're fighting these environmental struggles is recognise the situation that these Aboriginal communities in where these nominations are coming from. Like at Makati, they didn't offer... People aren't greedy for money. Like I know Diane is critical of people that went for this and I totally respect that and you know like uh, there's fights inside the Aboriginal community about whether or not to nominate or not but for non-Aboriginal people you know who, who don't you know know what it's like not to have a, a road not to have a house not to have a basic sanitation you know you've got to understand they weren't offering money actually for Muckety what they were offering was a trust fund so people could put bitumen on the road so they could have housing on their outstations. The government is refusing to fund any new housing on any Aboriginal outstations anywhere in Australia. Unless they take a nuclear waste dump, then they can have some housing built on an outstation. And the Department of Education was actually offering millions of dollars in scholarships, the Department of Education, in scholarships for Aboriginal kids who are living in an area where they can't even do their HSC to be able to travel interstate to go to school if they accepted a nuclear waste dump, right? That's the situation we're facing. Just come from Borroloola where they were marching against the MacArthur River mine that's destroying their river up there. And one of the aunties that was marching at the front of that march, you know, against, against, the, against the mine that's destroying a river, when she went in for dialysis, they've just set up a dialysis room in Borroloola, when she went in for dialysis the next day, the manager of the dialysis unit told her, you better stop fighting against that mine if you want to get your dialysis here because the mining company's paying the dialysis machine. That's how, you've, that's how we've got the dialysis machine here. So if you want that, you better stop fighting the mine. You know, that's the situation people are in. They're being held to ransom for the most basic services if they don't accept these destructive projects. So yes, we've got to march against the waste dumps. Yes, we've got to march against the mine. But we've got to fight tooth and nail to make sure there's actual investment, employment, the sort of things in these impoverished communities that we all take for granted. That's got to be part and parcel of that fight. You know, and I think one of the, one of the things that, you know, was the alliances that were built in the Muckety campaign, you know, those, sort, those sorts of alliances really need to be built. You know, the, the doctors that came out and said, we don't need this dump for the nuclear medicine, the trade unions, the Australian Council of Trade Unions that came out and said they would refuse to build a nuclear waste dump on Aboriginal land with this radioactive waste that, that's going forward. There's some inspiring alliances that were built. But of course, you know, nothing matches the amazing courage and strength that actually came from those traditional owners that fought this absolutely every step of the way. And it was a privilege to be able to be involved in that. There's a lot of lessons in that campaign. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> That's it for Stick Together this week. We've been listening to a conversation we had with Arthur Rorris, Secretary of the South Coast Labor Council in New South Wales. We hope it illuminates some of the mysteries surrounding the Chinese-Australian free trade deal. We've also heard an excerpt from a conversation held around the Muckety nuclear waste dump defeat. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au. You can contact the producers of the show at stick.together at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. Thanks to Arthur Rorris for talking to us today. 
and the 3CR producers of the excerpt from Musgrove Park in Brisbane. And thank you for listening in. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time.